basketball fans. We back, baby. Welcome to the Golden Break. I'm your host, Adam Woke. So excited to be back with you this year. Shout out to the production team, Mike Keegan, Matt Micus, Jeff Gibellino. Without those guys, this pod does not go. Uh, we are so excited for this year. We're going to change things up a little bit. Um, instead of doing a pod after every game, we're going to do a pod a week. We'll try to have them done on the weekend so they're ready for your ride to work on Monday. Um, the Twitter, don't forget to follow us at The Golden Break. We have a new set of data that we want to share with fans this year on our Twitter we're going to try to provide a different perspective via analytics for us to understand what is going to be a very exciting Marquette basketball team. There is so much to talk about in just two games. Uh, and I know these were the Cupcake games, but it still is going to tell us a lot about what we are going to expect from a Shaka Smart team. When we look at the offensive side of the ball, you know, we're going to run a four out, one in system. So four guys around the arc, one down by the block. What we've seen a lot of so far is the guy who's down in the block comes up, sets a screen, and then you see other guys rotate and replace. You know, you might see some guys cut to the hoop after the pick and roll. You'll see some guys move around the arc. Um, you'll also see guys even when he comes up and will set a ghost screen, the big will come up, set a ghost screen, flare out to the arc, and another guy off the ball will back cut. This is such an improvement from Woj. Watching this offensive system gets me excited about the future of this team because of how much movement there is. There is no stagnation. You know, watching the teams in the past with Woj, the ball would move left to right very slowly. We'd get to the left side of the, the basket, look around, anything's there, reset. There was no flow. We never kept a defensive team on their toes. It is completely different with this team this year. We are looking at an offensive system that is going to make sure that whoever is guarding us is not going to have an opportunity to stand still. They're not going to have an opportunity to set their feet. They're not going to have an opportunity to prepare for the set. We get into our offensive systems very quickly. In fact, we get the ball up pretty quickly. The vast majority of our shots um, went, came in between 6 and 12 seconds in the first two games. Um, and almost, for me, maybe that's a little quick. And when you look at it statistically, any shots that went up between the 6 and 12 second mark, uh, we went, we made 50% of those. Whereas when you look at any shots that went up, which was the second was between 12 and 18 seconds, uh, we were 60% from the field. You know, we got... One thing I think was really apparent with this team is that they are ready to play with pace on both sides of the ball. They play with speed and to the point where I almost feel like they're playing a little too fast on offense. 
Um, there are, I think when you look at the fact that the majority of the shots are coming between the six and 12 second mark, that's probably a little faster than I would like to see. I think the 12 to 18 mark is a better place to get in to your offense, get your offensive shots off because I want to see them move the ball a little bit. I, I think in game one, we saw the offensive system work a lot more than I think what we should expect from this team as far as the way the ball moves. You know, we saw Tyler do a great job in game one of making sure that he was setting shooters up. I think in game two, the problem was is we played a team with size, uh, and that size really pushed us off of our spots offensively, and we didn't really get into quite the same rhythm. Uh, but this is a team offensively that is going to run a fast-paced game, and I think we're going to have to kind of find what the right speed is. Um, right? I d I'm not advocating for this team to slow down. I think I want to point out that it's going to take some time for them to get into a strong rhythm and flow, but we should be really excited about what we see from this offensive system. You know, I did not mark in any of my notes a single post touch like we're not throwing it into the block like we did last year and if you remember we would start games just feeding the block to Theo John you know Lewis Garcia feed the block feed the block everything went through the block we didn't have a single post touch in two games how we what was actually happening the way that we were establishing ourselves at the hoop and around the block was attacking from the arc. And this is where I think it's really interesting to look at how Justin Lewis is being used this year. Uh, he has the second highest usage rate uh, in the Big East. And listen, understandably so, I think we were all very excited about what Justin Lewis could be this year. And what I loved about what he was doing <clears throat> is he was attacking from the arc primarily primarily attacking from the arc when he where before he was always operating with his back to the basket us getting him the ball in a traditional post sense but man Justin Lewis's footwork oh, oh wow what an improvement and what I love is when he's attacking from the arc if he gets a step on a guy or even if he doesn't he'll get down into the paint He'll turn his hips, sit on a dude, dribble, and then make a move. That is where I think Justin Lewis is at his absolute best. And I love that Shaka is putting him in a position where he can be that sort of threat from the outside because then he can kind of get bigs moving. He can get them uncomfortable. He doesn't let up, you know, when you're starting from the arc and not the block. You're not giving a big the you're giving a the a defensive big when you're starting them from the arc, more space to have to navigate. And most bigs in college basketball don't necessarily have that type of athleticism and feet to be able to guard away from the hoop and towards the hoop. I really loved Justin Lewis's development offensively, swiping through, uh, spin moves, seeing him pivot. Uh, it was really refreshing to see those fundamentals being stilled in him and as a part of his game. And we're better get used to that high usage rate. This team offensively 
listen, I know Morsel, especially in game two, really threw this team on his back. But Lewis is the guy I think we're going to have to depend on for the offensive consistency. He's the guy that I think we really want to depend on. Because at the end of the day, you know, until this team figures out how to start making threes, uh, we're going to need Lewis's presence attacking the hoop. You know, this team is going to just straight up shoot some threes. And that's going to take us to our new segment, Back in Time. I think the only reason I do these segments is because I absolutely love and hate sound effects. They're so stupid. And the ones that we pick for the show are so dumb uh, that I think I want to do more segments. But we're going to try to add in some new stuff. And in this segment, Back in Time, um, you know, I take a lot of notes. I saved all my notes from last season. Uh, and I want to try to dive back into those when I see a parallel, when I think there's something we can draw on, especially this year when we want to know what we invested in with Shaka Smart. I think doing some comparing and contrasting to what we've seen for the last eight years under Woj is going to be important in our ability to assess what we have. And when I went back into my notes, in looking at the podcast we did at the end of the season on Shaka Smart, one of the things we all said, Tom Keegan, Mike Keegan, um, we talked about wanting the VCU Shaka, especially from the offensive side of the ball. I want to see the Shaka Smart who ran that offensive system at VCU with a lot of ball movement. He got stagnant a little bit at Texas, um, and I think we're starting to see an indication of that. You know, uh, from my notes last year, in the first four games VCU played in the tournament where they made that run, they outscored their opponents 123-63 to 63 from the arc. In 2013, 14, and 15 at VCU, in three-point attempts, Shaka ranked 30th, 50th, and 21st. Whereas at Texas, Texas, he was 166th, 264th in 2017, 141 uh, in 2018. And it started to get a little bit better all the way up until you know 20 where he was 76th. We are starting to see that this is going to be more of the VCU Shaka uh, with the amount of three-pointers that this team is putting up. And, you know, I saw on Twitter a lot of people talking about, you know, we got to stop shooting threes. We got to attack the hoop. Like, I, I really disagree with that. We're going to shoot a lot of threes, and it's going to take some time for us to become a better three-point shooting team. I mean, it, these there's guys on this team that can shoot. You know, Tyler is, I don't think he's made a three yet this season, but I'm not worried about it. I mean, the guy showed last year that he was a very good three-point shooter. We've got guys that can shoot. We're just going to have to be patient and let this team evolve and grow. I think we need to be excited about the fact that we're seeing the Shaka Smart offensive system that we really wanted from VCU. Uh, that's a huge deal to me uh, when I'm looking at what we're investing in. And when you look at some of the things that are happening offensively, I think you're starting to see guys 
develop a better offensive instinct. And here's a really good example of that. I think it was the second possession of the first game. Um, I saw Tyler on the wing. Uh, he, we were doing, we had four out one in, and, and Lewis was on the weak side block. Uh, Tyler gets to the elbow, and he draws the attention of everyone else on the court and the guy who was guarding Lewis at the arc. As Tyler was getting to the elbow, you saw Lewis backpedal to the corner off the ball, and he threw a skip pass. Tyler threw a skip pass to Lewis to hit the three. We had three skip passes in the first 10 minutes of the first game. I think that's more skip passes than I have ever seen in a Woj tenure. That, to me, shows that we are seeing guys learn an offensive system on where to be instinctually. Seeing Lewis backpedal into the corner three says so much to me about what these kids are going to have to learn to do together. Um, And we're going to have to be patient with that. It's apparent when looking at the shot charts uh, and looking at the heat maps, you know, the vast, vast majority, almost everything this team shot was either at the hoop or from the arc. In game one, there was one mid-range shot. Everything else was at the hoop or at the arc. It's very clear that there's an analytical approach that Shaka and his coaching staff is taking. They want efficient shots. Now, in game two, we did take a few more mid-range shots. Of every mid-range shot we took, not a single one of them came off of an assist. You know, in game two, we were not in our offensive system. We were rushing a lot of shots. Um, Really, I mean, down the stretch of that game, it was more so in Lewis kind of just putting us on their backs and scoring for us and our defense, you know, turning them over and getting us out in trans. You know, that's not normal. I can't imagine Shaka reviewing that with his team offensively, you know, praising that. You know, he's made it very clear, and I've even heard players say in the interviews that, you know, this is going to be a team of high efficiency at the hoop or at the arc. And I'm good with that. I think we have to be okay this year as Marquette fans, allowing this team to settle into those offensive systems. We have to be good with that. Let's talk about these players and the lineups. Um, In looking at the lineup breakdowns, we had nine different types of lineups out there, uh, nine different variations. In looking at the breakdown of the substitution patterns, we were moving guys in and out every couple minutes. There was a lot of subbing going on in a lot of different lineups. I'm good with that right now. We should all be good at that. It's very clear that Shaka is tinkering. He's trying to see what group is going to make the most sense. Um, He's trying to figure out who plays well with who, and he's got a lot of options. There is so much athleticism and size on this team that I like what he's doing. But in keeping that in mind, that's why some of the, especially on defense, I think we were seeing so many defensive lapses because we have a lot of guys who are still learning to communicate with each other. 
And when you are rotating guys in and out, you know, they're just starting to get comfortable. What I love about what we're doing defensively is that you can see everyone on the team is very active in pointing where you need to go. Um, we're just a step or two behind anticipating what the rest of the team is doing, especially in this defensive system. You know, clearly there's going to be a lot of pressure. We spent the vast majority of the game in that diamond three-quarter press Um we trapping uh, guys at the timeline. Uh, we would double sometimes off screens or jump screens. Uh, we play a very aggressive defensive style. I wouldn't say it's super physical, but it's very aggressive. And here's why this is significant. When you are playing that sort of diamond zone and then settling back into your man-to-man, when you're putting a lot of pressure on ball handlers doubling or or jumping the gaps. Um, it means that the other guys off the ball have to be ready to rotate. You have to be looking at what's happening and making sure you're covering the next guy. That takes some time to understand what another guy is going to do. So when you know, Justin sees Morsel and Tyler trap someone. Over time, he's going to know and understand. He's going to get a feel for what those guys do when they back off. And so he knows where to be next. And when you have the lineup rotations that Shaka does, you know, it doesn't give them a lot of opportunity to start to get comfortable doing that. And again, I'm not saying that as a criticism. It's just saying it as a reality. If there's anything we know about Shaka is that whether at Texas or at VCU, he had very good defensive teams. We should not worry about what we're seeing right now and rather understand that this is the reality of a young team trying to figure out how to play with each other. You know, think about this, right? Especially a really young team coming out of the high school system. You know, the high schools themselves, you know, depending obviously where you're coming from, and I'm, you know, making some blanket statements here, but I think there's some generalizations here we can make. High school systems are, I think, better at teaching defensive schemes than the AAU teams are. Um, and if you think about the amount of time players play at the high school and AAU, you know, they're in a lot of different systems. They're playing with a lot of different people in the AAU system. You're just not playing defensive systems. I mean, how many highlight reels uh, have you ever seen of any prospect uh, that had on a defensive side of the ball that wasn't a block or a really, like, sexy steal? You know, you never see a reel of a guy who just locks someone down or a guy who rotates off the ball well. It's just something that isn't really ingrained into a lot of the basketball DNA of these players. And so when you get to a D1 program like Marquette and you got a guy like Shaka who's a great defensive mind and is going to run a more complex defensive system, you know, these freshmen on this team aren't ready for that. I don't know that the guys like Justin Lewis on the teams with Woj in the past are ready for that. You know, that's something that we're going to have to trust in Shaka Smart. You know, his resume shows us that this will improve and that this will get better. And he's still learning these guys too, as are we. Listen, let's go through. I, 
let's go through some of these players because I, I, there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to love. Let's start with with Tyler. I call him TK. You may hear me call him TK a lot. Um, oh my God, game one. I mean, I I have a big crush on him. Sorry, man. I just I can't. I have a basketball crush on the way that he uh, approaches offense. I mean, the amount of assists he had in that first game, watching him move the ball around, getting other guys open. Uh, something I thought that was really interesting in comparing game one and game two was that Morsel, every basket except one in the first game was assisted, and most of them were assisted from from Tyler. You know, Tyler's ability to help Morsel um, score offensively I think is going to be important. I know we saw Morsel have that explosion in game two, but I think really game one is is a better type of offensive game for him against better teams because he's really sneaky off the ball and the back cuts and Tyler's going to find him. Tyler is really good at probing the lane and allowing other guys to move around off the ball. He's good at seeing cutters, the skip passes, the bounce passes. He's creative in his ability to set up his teammates. Listen, I know game two wasn't great for him. It seemed too as well he banged up his knee or something. Maybe our boy Ben Steele can check that out for us. Uh, let us know what's going on with Tyler's knee. Because Tyler didn't play a lot in that stretch in the second half at the end, um, which was a little surprising to me. I don't know if the knee was an issue. I don't. I know he didn't play well at all in the second game. He was having a really hard time. Uh, you know, he was having a hard time beating people off the dribble. He was having a hard time shooting. I mean, he's had a, he's been very cold shooting. But I, again, I'm not overly worried about that. I think for me, what's interesting about TK is I think he's better offensively scoring off the ball. He's not good at creating his own shot, but I think he's better for the offensive system when he's running point. I watched an interview with Shaka and Morsel at the Big East thing that they did. And what I really loved about the conversation was Shaka, you know, said, you know, listen, I, you know, Daryl knows this. He goes, so I'm not, you know, Daryl and I have talked about this, but, you know, I say all the time, I wish we had two Tylers, one that could play point and another one that could be off the ball because really, ideally, I'd like to see him be off the ball. And that's a challenge to Daryl, you know, I'm challenging. We need Daryl to step up to be that point guard for this team because I'd like to see Tyler work more off of the ball. Like hearing Shaka say that and then watching what's happening in these games, I, I get why he says that. I would love to see Tyler, you know, running down the baseline with two or three guys screening so he can get open. That seems to be probably more of his comfort level. Of what, but you know, then again, I love what he was doing as a point guard on this team. There's versatility there, but I think that brings us into talking about Morsel and Stevie. I want to talk about both of those guys at the same time because, you know, those three guards—Tyler, Stevie, and Daryl—it's going to be interesting to see how he uses those guys because, you know, listen, here's the deal with Daryl: like the dude is a north-south runner. Um, he's, he is, man, is he big and strong? He is so big. Uh, and offensively, the things he does off the ball excite me more than the things he does with the ball. 
Uh, I think he's got a great basketball IQ to see openings, to make those back cuts. I think he's going to be... I know he's shooting really well from the arc right now. I'm not sure. I'm not saying he's a bad three-point shooter. I think I just like him attacking the hoop better. Um, He's going to get his shots up from the arc, and I'm good with that. Um, But I never really saw from him the ability to quarterback this team like I see from Tyler. I see exactly why Shaka was challenging him on that. And, you know, I, I've heard from multiple media outlets about, you know, when talking about the inside of this team that that Shaka really rides more so because he knows how good of a player he can be. And I don't disagree with that at all. I just, you know, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe more so does develop that. Maybe he does become that point guard and, and he can develop that way. But for me, ideally, like as we start to see these lineups the lineup that I think excites me the most is Mitchell at the point, TK at the two, and Morsel at the three. Now, I don't know that... I know it's a little bit of a smaller lineup, and so that might hurt a little bit defensively. We'll see. But I think offensively, and we could talk about Mitchell now, I mean, I love the way Mitchell moves on the court. He is so smooth with the ball. I mean, he's obviously had some turnovers, and he's. I mean, what? It's a freshman. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dog him for that. Like, it's gonna take time for him to find his offensive identity. But you know, watching him navigate this offense, lead this offense, I love that. I think he's got that ability. Morsel's big enough to play the three and defend the three. Uh, th- that's the cool thing about defensively for this team in general is that there's just a lot of options of guys that we can move around and put in some different positions. Um, but I'm really interested to see if maybe we can get to a point where Stevie takes the point. Now, in games where we can't do that because of issues with size against who we're playing, that's going to leave one of those guys to play off the bench, and I don't know if that's going to be TK or if that's going to be Stevie. We're going to see a little bit of a battle between those two, but also maybe it doesn't matter. You know, maybe this allows Shaka to think about matchups and allow some different looks with this team offensively. Um, that's going to be a real interesting, what happens with those three and seeing how he deploys them is going to be really interesting because, you know, and to continue down the line here and looking at some of these guys, you know, that takes me to Cam Jones. Uh, my favorite thing about Cam Jones is his quick trigger. Man, does that dude get a shot up. Like, he has such a quick trigger. He is going to be dangerous offensively. But he's a big defensive liability right now. Um, He's really struggling defensively. You know, there was a couple of possessions where he was just completely out of position. Um, And he'll get there, right? Again, um, it's early, so this is nothing to freak out about. But that's going to be one of the things that's going to make it hard to keep him on the court. He might be the good guy when you need to just interject some offense. Cam's going to be a good guy that we can throw in there to kind of get things going if we start to stagnate a little bit. But he's a really exciting player. Um, you know, Omax, I, I'm i just so like in awe of him and confused by him all at the exact same time. He looks like someone who didn't hit his growth spurt until later in life and now is just this monster 
who's trying to figure out how to play with his body. Um, because there are times where he does things, you're like, holy shit, what an athlete. Like, unbelievable physical specimen. Watching him, like, just wall a dude up. I don't know how some guys are going to get around him. But then there are other times where he's just, like, lost or he plays so overly aggressive or he's riding somebody so physically that it's a foul. You know, we had a lot of fouls. Omax isn't the only guy that was playing overly physical. Uh, and maybe not overly physical, but maybe just playing too sped up. You know, defensively, we were sped up a lot, and we had a lot of fouls, and this is a very handsy team. And listen, it makes sense, right? I mean, we've heard Shaka talk, deflections, deflections, deflections. We're going to get in there. We're going to be aggressive. And and I'm I'm not advocating for them to be less aggressive on defense, but they're going to have to learn how to pick their spots better. Um, you cannot be that handsy. We cannot foul that often when we're playing better teams. That's something that I want to track over time. I want to see how the fouls uh, or basically free throw attempts from other teams are going to look down the stretch. We gave up a lot. Um, and and Omax, is, it's going to be interesting to see what his role on this team is going to be. Um, like I said, there are times where he wows you and his athleticism is insane, but he's definitely still learning his body. He's learning how to play out there. Um, but I, that's a guy I'm excited about. You know, listen, Kerr's had, um, he's had a rough start. There's, there's no doubt about it. He's definitely still trying to figure out where he belongs. And I think it's brought up a lot of conversation about Oso. Wow. Oh man. Oso. listen. Shaka plus Oso versus Woj and Oso. Like, what a difference. Player development was something we knocked Woj for all the time. We never saw guys take the steps and leaps that we thought they were capable of doing. And Oso's leap has been amazing. He is going to fight Kerr for that starting spot. Like, we're going to see a battle for that, it's sort of like a quarterback battle. We're going to watch it slowly. And I think, for me, I don't care who ends up being the starter. I want to see both of them. We're going to need both of them. So this is not about with those two. And maybe even that's the same argument that I was making with the guards, that maybe we shouldn't give a shit about who's starting and allow these guys to push each other and practice to just get better because we're going to need them all. We're going to need the depth from this team in order to compete, and we're going to need to see them all continue to take steps moving forward so that we can surprise some people. Listen, I think the ceiling is high. I'm not saying we're a top 25 team this year. You know, we're going to have a lot of losses um, in November and December. Like, that's okay. I, I'm, I'm not looking for necessarily an amazing win-loss record uh, by the time we get to January. I want to see growth, and I want to see us challenge some really good teams. I'd like to make sure, I want to make sure that we're seeing these guys buy into Shaka's system, which I think they most definitely have up until this point. I think the ceiling for this team is being, um, is winning the Big East tourney. I'd like to see, you know, we may not have a bid by the time we get there, but I can see this team making noise in the Big East tourney and seeing if we can get a bid that way. 
big week ahead of us, big game tomorrow, U of I, that's going to be a tough one. I don't want Twitter world, Marquette fans, don't overreact if things go bad Monday. These are going to be great learning opportunities for this team. Uh, I'm excited to see every game. I haven't been this excited for Marquette. I mean, I'm always excited for Marquette basketball. I'm easily excitable. But I'm genuinely excited to watch these kids develop and play. It's so good to be back, guys. Uh, I'm excited to bring uh, some new guys on this year. We'll have those interviews coming up over the weeks to come. But thank you for spending your time with us. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at The Golden Break. We're going to do a better job of bringing you more content. content. Have yourself a fantastic day.